play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot cope with him. Can't do it. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. Clock Dodgers podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers podcast. I am your host Neil Maligno. With me is none other than Josh Crocker. Yes, that Josh Crocker. What up, Josh? Greg Olson week. Greg Olson week has already happened, folks. I don't want to talk about it right now. I just don't. <laughs> also, couldn't have been happier. Also with us though, Josh is the man they call Adam Cahill. Because that's what his parents named him. What up, Adam? <laughs> what's up, Josh Jacobs? Target share. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we're talking about right there. We don't want to talk about Greg Olson, but we do want to talk I'm about Josh I'm excited about that. I, I'm excited about Josh <laughs> Jacobs. <laughs> well, listen, before we get started, let's send some positive vibes to all the listeners who may be in the fires or dealing with fires or near fires or family with fires in like California, Oregon, Washington. 2020 has been crazy. It's been just nuts from every from the jump. But y'all get you guys stay safe out there. We're sending positive vibes your way. Now, none, none of you guys are dealing with those. We're all in different places, but we're not near the West Coast like that. So I've seen a lot of crazy videos, images, stories. It's pretty sad stuff. But um, I want to keep people in our thoughts because I always forget that when we're talking to each other, sometimes I forget that there's people listening from everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I always want to just send those positive vibes out there if we can. Um, now let's talk about week one, week one. It's in the books. We have, we have to take victory laps, gentlemen. I actually, I actually did this on Twitter because I kept seeing all these people. I don't know what this new thing is where you have to hold yourself accountable for your Twitter followers and you have to tell everybody what you did wrong. Uh, I felt it seemed very weird to me. Um, and I said, you know what, why is everybody talking about what they did wrong? Let's talk about what we did good. And the mon- and the mention and the mentions got flooded with a bunch of happy fantasy players, and that's more what I was looking to see. If you want to find negative shit about what we did wrong, you gotta listen to the podcast because I'm not fucking advertising it on Twitter. It's just not what I do. Josh, I don't know if that's your thing. Adam, I mean, I'll tell you what Josh got wrong, but other than that, <laughs> maybe that's what we'll do each week: is we'll advertise on Twitter what Josh did wrong because there's no it's point. Be short, short show. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. <laughs> so yeah man i mean shout out to everybody who got involved with it it was fun it was there was a lot of people and there were a lot of different players and stuff but we definitely i definitely want to take some victory laps i want you guys to take some victory laps because we all hit on some stuff i feel like we are going to talk about locks of the week a little later so if we can hold josh off possibly i don't know if we can hold back his excitement for that victory that he got this week but um besides that adam do you have any any guy that pops out to you give me one or two guys that you know, it could be a victory lap for something that someone did positive or just a guy that you thought was going to be bad. You dodged him, you know, the whole entire year in drafts and everything, and he actually played bad the week one. No, I mean, for me, this week was a great week at wide receiver. I mean, two guys who I was just drafting a ton of this year and talking up a bunch just went off in Calvin Ridley and Adam Thielen. So I'm feeling great about what each of them were able to do just in dominating targets and you know Calvin Ridley getting the red zone targets which are really the important difference maker between him and Julio I mean I remember mentioning on the pod that I thought that Atlanta probably had the one of the best chances of producing two top 12 wide receivers and Mm -hmm. I mean week one they were both top 12 so look at that so 
obviously it's a very very small sample but uh but both of those guys i was extremely uh extremely happy to see that production from absolutely absolutely they, they did they did go off and we'll talk about Atlanta a little more here soon um josh besides your obvious not so obvious lock of the week did you have any other guys that you were really happy about that you were you know i just, you know, I just out need there? to make sure that everybody knows that i was on darius slayton no you were not <laughs> no you were no. not <laughs> i'm just trying to steal just trying to steal you thunder a little bit <laughs> um you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and take a victory lap for for staying on Aaron Jones when everybody was abandoning Chip because he couldn't possibly score that many touchdowns again. And look who's number three in expected points week one. Aaron Jones, right behind Derrick Henry. It was all about A.J. Dillon's thighs, man. Ooh. Wait, I, I missed I missed a victory lap that I've got to take on you guys every week. One it sounds like for the rest of the time, and that's Sammy Watkins is right. once again relevant. Bring it back, run it back. Another Mr. week of Sammy week Watkins. He gets just as many weeks a year as Will Fuller. <laughs> nah, Will Fuller was phenomenal. That that that's a that that's a target share that I think is going to stay. But uh, but yeah, man, Sammy Watkins. Uh, he surprised even me this week, and I even started him in a league. So. Way to go, Sammy. Oh, man. You started him? Then definitely. That's a victory yeah, lap for yeah. sure. Deep dynasty leagues, man. Sometimes they make you start guys that uh, you want to believe in, and sometimes that actually works out. Not too shabby, Adam. Not too shabby. Darren Waller. Darren Waller, I think, is another one. He still led his team in targets, and I think it was super popular to talk about how Darren Waller was just going to fall off because of splits and Blah, blah, blah. So let me just get this straight, Josh. Are you just going to say all kneels for him? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Isn't that the game about? we always play? I, Josh, talk about Dallas Goddard. Like, that was a guy that you were on this year. Stop yeah. stealing Neil's yeah. thunder. <laughs> I, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm happy for Dallas Goddard. I'm not sure that he's going to continue to be the tight end one in Philadelphia, but <laughs> fuck yeah, Dallas Goddard. Tight end one in all of football, actually, I think, week one. Um. Yeah, the, the only one, two that, I mean, he stole my Darren Waller. Darius Slayton was on my list, mainly because, I mean, Darren Waller so last year for me at this point, right? I mean, come on, man. I'm just <laughs> racking these guys up at this point. But, uh, no, Darius Slayton, like, you know, I, I had pumped him up in the offseason. I was putting out videos on Twitter, talking about him in the podcast, and everybody seems so far behind on him. Like, he's just not – it's not yet. It's not yet. Like, there's Sterling Shepard. There's Golden Tate. There's this and that. Evan Ingram, Sparkly. And I said, man, Slayton is the guy. He's the guy. He's got he's got the you know the ability to to make plays. So yeah, I was happy to see him go off like that. Um, but the other guy, of course, is Josh Jacobs, who Josh mentioned also in the intro, because this guy is mentioning everybody that I'm talking about. <laughs> and yeah, I was excited about that. You guys know I was super excited about that. Number one, again, talked about him like at at, at you know at, like crazy on here, but also just because he and you guys can agree was getting crazy hate everywhere. Not hate in a sense of like nobody likes the guy, but like he's just not worth it. He's not an RB one. He's not worth first round draft capital. All this kind of stuff, and like he and he's not going to catch the ball enough. They've added this guy and that guy, and they got that guy back there, and they drafted this guy. And look at this. Look at this. What did he do? What did he do, Adam? He he was targeted. They he was targeted, baby. 
I mean, but really, though, that was always the complaint with Josh Jacobs. Like, you can paint any picture you want, Neil, and narrative straight down with your Raider fandom. But really, the complaint all along was, is he going to get targets? And that was really not necessarily in Josh Jacobs' control. And what we saw in that game is when you give him targets, he is an extremely productive running back. I mean, he's a running back that I like. I just didn't know if he would get the target share. Didn't think he would. But I'll give you this, man. I watched a lot of that Las Vegas-Carolina game, and John Gruden was definitely the better coach in that game. And the thing that I'm most impressed by by Las Vegas is how they're just utilizing their playmakers to a crazy degree. It's insane, this statistic. But Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller combined for 50% of all the targets for Las Vegas. It's beautiful. I mean, they focused on utilizing their playmakers. I mean, Ruggs was utilized really well in that game as well. I think that, you know, Las Vegas is one of those teams that they've got a terrible schedule, and I do not like their chances over the next four or five weeks. But for how they played against Carolina, I feel from a fantasy perspective, the guys that you were drafting for be fantasy relevant, they're going to be fantasy relevant. Right. So, I, I mean, I feel like Josh Jacobs, I mean, he's a locked-in, you know, RB1 rest of the way, basically. Yeah, and Ruggs, you know, you mentioned Ruggs. He got hurt. He, he was doing really well until he got hurt. Um, and then they kind of, I think they, per, I mean, they put him, he got back into the game, but I think they slowed down on using him because of that. Um, Brian Edwards, everyone was in love with him. He just didn't get a lot of work. I don't know what that's because. I, I, I felt like everybody should have pumped the brakes on him a little bit. I never was excited, but I thought Ruggs was the more, like, ready guy for the offense as far as what they were, you know, planning to do. But even the surprise, Nelson Aguilar got a touchdown. Like, what the hell was that? Like, it's just uh, – yeah, man. Like, I, I, I don't know. The only wide receivers I feel really good about are like Renfro and Ruggs as far as like I feel confident in like the play calling for them. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know how how interchangeable guys like Aguilar and Edwards and Zay Jones and all these guys. Like, I don't I don't know how interchangeable they are as far as who they're going to call plays for. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, the guys, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller and then Renfro and Ruggs are the only guys I would actually feel super confident about. Um, even once the name was getting in there, Booker, were you guys surprised by that? No, I mean, I mean, there's obviously touches to go around. Yeah, I was a but, little surprised over that. Yeah, seems like mean, he got more work than Rashard, like though. From fantasy perspective, I mean, Ruggs is probably borderline. You and your Renfro talk. I mean, just, just why would you even bring that back up? Stop hating, man. Segment where it's just all in due time. Talking to Renfro, he's not going to do anything, bud. All in due time. All in due time. Don't don't you worry about it. All right, listen, we victory rap- lapped enough there. You guys stole my players. You're down. You're already down talking my players now. And we're not even into the into the into the news of the week, guys. The first thing I want to cover is injuries because I feel like that's super important right now. Clearly, we had some some big injuries, man. Like it sucks, but there was a lot of things that happened that were pretty important and that are going to be pretty heavy. You know, we're going to have to make heavy adjustments going forward. So, Blake Jarwin was lost for the Cowboys, tight end out for the season. Sucks. I know a lot of people were like super excited about this. Um, Marlon Mack. Out for the season, you know, I was hurt by that. I will say, I will not let this go on un, un, unmentioned, fellas. Jonathan Taylor did not do shit while Marlon Mack was healthy in that game. Nothing. So I, I, I'm going to stand on that as a victory. Yeah, that half a game sample. I'm standing on it. That's all I got. That's <laughs> all I got. If, if if Marlon Mack got hurt after Jonathan Taylor ran for three touchdowns, you guys would tell me I was wrong. So I'm taking that I was right. Obviously, this is an unfortunate situation, and we could talk about Jonathan Taylor. So, with this happening, how do you guys feel right now? Josh, you can start first. How do you feel now about Jonathan Taylor 
Um, this backfield is a little weird with Hines and everything, but how 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 much of a boost does this give you for Jonathan Taylor now going forward? It's a pretty big boost. I mean, I think Marlon Mack could have hung around and gotten 150 to 200 200 touches. You know, that's that's not crazy. Like Chris Johnson got that in David Johnson's first year, and now that Marlon Mack is out, Naheem Hines is still there, and he's going to be targeted and maybe take some of the ceiling off of Jonathan Taylor, but. It, it's wheels up. It, yeah. it just is. Yeah, I mean, he still didn't run good in that game. He still he still had less rushing yards than Mac had in just six carries. I will say this, Adam, do you think there's any chance, being that this is the team who was going into the season with Mac, Hines, and Taylor, is there any chance they add a running back of mention, do you think? They might. I doubt it. Um, I mean, at this stage, I think really what we're going to see – more likely than not is probably them transition to more of a two down and then third down back role with Hines taking, you know, the passing down role and Taylor taking more of the first and second down role. Um, ultimately, yeah, losing Mac just increases Taylor's touch load gigantically. And the reality is, is that even if Hines has a third down role, Philip Rivers throws the ball so much that Taylor's going to continue to get targeted a bunch in the passing game. And the combination of those first and second down rushing volume with, you know, what inevitably is going to be more targets than most running backs see, I mean, Taylor's going to be hard to deny. Um, that being said, I mean, there's some people who are going gaga for him already. I mean, there's talk of, you know, would you take him over Mixon if we were redrafting today? And I think that that's getting kind of happy on it but uh i mean he definitely has a high ceiling but i think that his realistic floor is a weekly rb2 rb3 guy who splits a ton of work with Hines on a team that's probably not going to win six games like they didn't look great i mean it's it's going to be tough for that offense to continue to produce with just dink and dunk style passing to their backs a ton and while that volume is going to be great, I think that, you know, overall the game script and his ability to score touchdowns in that offense might hamper him from being truly elite. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It wasn't comforting. I mean, I know everyone was excited about him catching the ball, which was great. Um, yeah. But, you know, the runs were a little concerning. <laughs> if you just, just looking at receiving expected points, Naheem Hines was third, but Jonathan Taylor was eighth. Ahead of Kareem Hunt, ahead of Josh Jacobs. Yeah. So, like, that's pretty great, even though Naheem Hines is there. Yeah. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of opportunity here now that, you know, wasn't expected before the injury, obviously, to Mac. So that'll be that'll be a, a really uh, good one to, to pay attention to. Another big name, Michael Thomas, ankle injury. Uh, people were hoping it wasn't too serious. Now it sounded like it might be a little more serious. Um, have we gotten a solid day, amount, amount of time out on this yet? No, no right? I, last I read, he's getting a second opinion. Um, probably by the time people are listening to this, we'll know definitively. From what it sounds like, he definitely did some sort of structural damage to his ankle. Um, I think we're probably looking at a multitude of weeks, whether that's two to three weeks or, you know, six to eight weeks. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Um, it's not good. 
<clears throat> it's probably not good for Drew Brees. I mean, he definitely did not look crisp in that season opener. Um, I mean, the the battle of the you know Hall of Fame old quarterbacks looked like two older quarterbacks, unfortunately. So maybe that's just week one jitters. Maybe <clears throat> they get rolling and, and Breeze kind of puts it together. But I think the loss of Michael Thomas is not great for those expectations. And overall, that could really impact the offense. So I'll be intrigued to see kind of how they develop from here um, and who, who kind of emerges. Because Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, even though he's been floating around the league, he, he can lead that team in targets, definitely. So He's a guy who I think is going to get the biggest boost from this. Yeah, Josh, any thoughts on Michael Thomas and his replacements? I know there's a couple of guys out there that people are thinking about on waivers. You know, I would, I think uh, I would sooner go after Emmanuel Sanders than Traquan Smith. I, I just don't – I'm not sure that Traquan is really ready to carry that kind of a load, and I don't think that they can really force it upon a guy who isn't, who isn't ready. And we know that Emmanuel Sanders can do it. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, they're all, all all the options are you know a far cry from Michael Thomas. So hopefully, it's not too serious. Hopefully, it's not too long. Um, but there are guys that are going to be you know obviously valuable because it's just Drew Brees and the Saints offense, and obviously they can't be ignored. Um, I mean, it's it's a high ankle sprain, right? Like yeah. that's a serious injury. Yeah, that's what More I'm saying. Like I'm concerned because I have a, I feel like I have a pretty good amount of stock in Michael Thomas this year. So it's a little concerning, man. It's a little concerning. Uh, the next one, Le'Veon Bell, he was put on the IR, but he can be back. I think it has to be with at least three weeks about the IR now. So this is not like an all season thing that I know of, but um, at least three weeks on the IR. Frank Gore, I mean, what, what are we what are we talking about here, fellas? Yeah, you shouldn't have been drafting Jets, and you shouldn't be thinking <laughs> about playing them now. Unless their name's Jamison Crowder, that was elite. I mean, Jamison Crowder, look, man. He is just going to get an insane amount of targets, and occasionally, I guess, he can take 168 yards. I didn't know that was in his repertoire. I thought everything went from 6 to 8 yards, but occasionally it's 68 yards. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> but uh, that being said, outside of that one player, please don't play Jets, guys. It's not worth it. They're probably going to be the worst team in the league, and I'll be very interested to see if they end up having to draft a quarterback and bail on Sam Darnold because Gase is just that bad that he runs everything he touches into the ground and then the second people leave like Robbie Anderson did this week they go off it's it's mind-boggling Gase always has this talent and the second that they play on his offense it just evaporates and that's just that's what the Jets are so Le'Veon Bell should uh, should hope that they get rid of him because he's injured because that's the only thing that's going to save his career at this point yeah for sure it's a bad situation with Gase and Denzel Mims went on the IR also for anyone who cares um, I don't know how long that one is either yet um, and the other the last notable injury that I wanted to mention was the Steelers lost their right tackle banner Zach Banner so he's out for the season um, which is obviously you know we talked about this last week losing tackles on either side of the of the, of the field are, are not good so this is obviously important for the running backs the quarterbacks and the whole offense as a whole so um, that's another you know pretty pretty bad injury um, so that's th th those are the main ones. Is there anyone that I'm missing, guys, as far as injuries are concerned? Nothing that's jumping to mind. No. Okay. All right, cool. So we covered the injuries. I did want to add that Mohamed Sanu signed with the 49ers. I don't know if you guys seen that. I don't know if you guys care. Um, but that is also a 
sign-in that just happened before we went live here that I noticed. I wanted to make sure we mentioned it. Does anyone care? I mean, I don't think it's fantasy relevant, but it's probably NFL relevant just because of the amount of injuries the 49ers have at wide receiver right now that we'll probably see playing time. But, I, I mean, nobody's going to start on yeah. there, right? Back with his old coach, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's opportunity. Yeah. So that's worth mentioning. Um, other than that, there was no other signings that I've seen. The other one that I wanted to mention was Allen Robinson removed the Bears from his Twitter bio. Adam, you are our, our local Bear correspondent. What are your thoughts here, sir? I, just, I mean, I don't know. I wanted to hate the Bears this year. I wanted to. I really, really wanted to, guys. I don't like anything that they're doing. But they led that fourth quarter comeback, and it was amazing. And I can't <laughs> not want to root for that. So, yeah, I want Allen Robinson to stay, but you know, for him, I, I get why he wants to leave. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we see a lot of this in the league now. We have players that feel more comfortable, really, you know, standing up for what they believe in as far as getting paid. And we saw a lot of players get paid right before the, you know, the league started this year. So I think that there was a fear of players holding out, and I think that. Allen Robinson might have lost his leverage in that regard. I think now is an interesting time for him to kind of be speaking up. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I think it probably ends up being nothing, and he ends up staying as, you know, yeah. there. But uh, but he probably doesn't end up signing a contract at the end of this year. And I mean, I don't know what the Bears are doing anyway long term. I think that the team's just a mess. But that being said, you know, as far as Allen Robinson's concerned, yeah, I think that he wants out, and rightly so. Yeah, I thought it was weird timing, but um, Tariq Cohen did tweet out hashtag extend AR <laughs> for what it's worth. So uh, hopefully hopefully things get worked out, man. We'll see what happens. Uh, but we're all a fan of Allen Robinson here, so, you know, whatever's good, we'll see. Um, all right, that's it for the, for the news, for the injuries, for everything that I felt was kind of breaking news that I wanted to make sure we discussed. Let's jump over into some of our segments here. We got trust issues starting out the gate. Trust issues. Ronald Jones will continue to outplay Leonard Fournette. Adam, start here. Trust or trust issues? Trust. Man, that uh, week one workload was definitely, I mean, I expected it. Like, I didn't think that Leonard Fournette was going to come in there and get anything. He definitely is going to get more run moving forward. Personally, I'd feel really iffy about starting either of them because I don't really know what to expect in this offense. They did not look great. And I think that, if anything, they're not going to be relying on the run game to move them forward. So for me, yeah, I think Ronald Jones probably still gets the majority of the touches there for, you know, the foreseeable future, unless Leonard Fournette really shows something. Um, but ultimately, I don't think either of them are guys that I really want to be starting each week. That's fair. Josh, before I let you answer this, I will say that I feel like Ronald Jones, if you were watching that game, definitely played better. Like, he just looked like the better running back. Of course, like Adam mentioned, this is super early for Leonard Fournette on the team. Everything is new to him. Um, so you got to mention that. But Ronald Jones did look like the better running back, just ability-wise. But, Josh, what are your thoughts on this? Um, trust or trust issues on Ronald Jones? I know you're a Fournette guy. So, you know, yeah, uh, trust, trust or trust issues, issues on him out playing him? I just don't think that the the move to bring Leonard Fournette in makes any sense at all if you're going to trot Ronald Jones out. Like, is it was it just depth i don't know that you go after Ron or um, leonard fournette for just death and i don't think ronald jones played all that well i mean he was 
94th in, in fantasy points over expectation. Like, he, he, he didn't do anything special. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. He didn't do nothing special. No one did anything special, but he did look better to me. Um, so, yeah. So, okay. So, you feel like Fournette eventually, you have trust issues with this because you believe Fournette will take that job. Yeah, eventually. I think... I think Fournette is going to get the kind of start that I kind of thought Jonathan Taylor would get. You know, week yeah. three, week four, we start to see him get the volume and, and run from there. I'm, I was surprised. Like, I, I started Leonard Fournette everywhere that I had him, and I was very unhappy to see <laughs> what happened. But I don't think it's going to be a season-long thing. All right, gotcha. Um, another running back here, Malcolm Brown, is running back too worthy. Adam, trust or trust issues? I mean, as big of a fan as I am of Cam Akers, Brown looked better. I mean, he really looked better. That was a primetime game. I watched every snap, and ultimately, Brown just looked like he had the better understanding of the offense. He had more bursts when he was in there, and I think that moving forward, he's probably going to get the majority of the touches until Akers can show the talent that he showed in college. So for me uh, right now, yeah, I think if you have Malcolm Brown, you got to start him because ultimately I don't think you're going to get the full season out of him. You get these starts while you can, and eventually acres is going to take more and more of the workload there, in my opinion. And I want to get those starts while I can. So I'm not going to waffle on whether or not I'm starting Brown. Brown probably is more or less a must start, but I think eventually acres is going to take the workload there. Yeah. Yeah, Malcolm Brown had over 100 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns. Um, Josh, do you have trust issues with him as the RB2 going forward? No, I think you've got to I think you've got to trust it. He was 10th overall in expected points and he was also very good in fantasy points over expectation. Uh, I, running volume sometimes is just a coaching decision and at this point it would seem that Malcolm Brown is the beneficiary of the coaching decision. So I'm I'm going to have to start him. I don't have him anywhere, but I'm gonna have. I would have to start him everywhere I had him. Gotcha. That makes sense. So it seems like all of us are pretty confident in Brown going forward, and that's probably just until we see you know one of these other guys do something that makes us change our mind. Because otherwise, it just seems like it's him by default at this point. Um, the next one I have on here for us is the Falcons have three startable wide receivers each week in PPR. Of course, you know consider engage as a flex. But um, Adam, trust or trust issues with that idea. I'm going to say trust, and I I think that really, I mean, it comes down to a couple factors. I mean, obviously, Atlanta threw the football more than any other team in the NFL by pretty much a wide margin this week. It's a very small sample size, so you don't have a lot to go off of. But historically, Atlanta has been a pretty big passing volume offense over the last couple years. The biggest shift that you see, though, this year is you don't have Austin Hooper at tight end. You have Hayden Hurst, who's a lesser talent, and you do not have them utilizing the running back in the passing game. Todd Gurley only saw two targets. I think that's huge for Todd Gurley's value that I think is basically going to be touchdown or bust. And I think it's really huge for Russell Gage, Calvin Ridley, and Julio Jones, who each saw 12 targets. I mean, that's wild. That being said, I obviously don't think that that level of targets is going to be there each week, but the way in which that target share spread amongst them and the way in which the other positions weren't targeted nearly as much, I think that that stays. I think they continue to target wide receivers way more than they have in the past in regards to just not having as much talent 
at tight end and at running back in the passing game. So yeah. I think that for, you know, Gage, who really is the question here, because obviously Ridley and Julio, I thought were going to be top 12 this year, and they're, they're showing why that's the case. I think Gage is pretty much a must-start guy uh, in any positive matchup. I mean, unless Atlanta has a terrible matchup, I'm probably not benching him. Yeah, I, I agree with you as far as it's like the tight end targets and the running back targets were kind of pushed to gauge. Again, we're, everything we're saying obviously has to be taken into the idea. This is one week. That's all we have to go off of. And obviously what we felt as, you know, what, what we already felt going into the season. But we have one week of numbers here and one week of production and one week of, you know, games that we watched. But um, I, I think it's I, I agree with you in terms of like, how do you keep gauge out of your flex spot? Like unless you have some, you know super super amazing team here or some other guy in the in the range of gauge like we've seen what they could do right we don't expect this to happen every single week the the crazy thing is is that gauge could have a ridley week or a julio week and we know it's possible like he has the ability we know they trust him and we know that offense can handle it so i mean if, if you're looking at from ppr scoring they had three wide receivers in the top 12 last week um which is just insane so knowing that they can do that means it's like impossible to suggest that unless you have a really really good option or like you said a matchup reason to not put gauge at least in a flex spot um i'd like to hear an argument why that's not a good idea really um josh do you have any trust issues with this idea if you do that's this would be a great time i'd love to hear if you have something against gauge or just the offense or what it may be i i don't man i have everything to say against the idea that you can plug in hayden hurst and he will all of a sudden be austin hooper I have everything to say against the idea that Todd Gurley was going to be anything this year. And I hadn't put all of those things together to say, well, then obviously it's Russell Gage. Right. But now that week one happened, I'm okay with this. Crazy. It's nuts, right? <laughs> if you're a Falcons fan, yeah. it's exciting. <laughs> but as far as from those three guys, I don't know, man. Sure. This is great. This is great for fantasy. Um, is there any other player there besides Gage that has any relevancy that we even worried about? I mean, I don't think there is, right? Like, Gage was doing pretty good last year even. Like, he was catching on last year towards the end of the season too. So, Gage is a, a surprise. I mean, I didn't hear a lot of people touting Gage, and obviously, you know, rightfully so because he's a tough guy to, to tout when we know the other two ahead of him, right? So, um, that that's why he's kind of sneaking up on people in terms of this kind of relevancy or, you know, a strong flex start each week kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, man. And, I, and again, one week, we're not saying this is every week thing, but it's worth talking about. Um, the last trust issue that we have here, Logan Thomas will be start worthy weekly. Uh, Adam trust or trust issues. I trust it and I love it. I mean, this <laughs> is a guy who basically was a last round draft pick in fantasy football all year. I mean, even in some of the deepest leagues, I mean, he was going basically in the last round in best ball drafts up until, you know, last week when, when we finally stopped drafting and he went off. I mean, really, he had basically as good as you could hope for of a week one performance. And I mean, finished as, you know, a top 10 tight end. And I think that really the most promising thing is that he led that team in target share. And amongst the NFL, he was third amongst tight ends in team target share. So, you know, only Hunter Henry and Darren Waller were seeing more of their team's targets. And I think that that's something that probably stays moving forward. There was a lot of talk in camp of just how much Haskins was targeting Logan Thomas. And I think we saw that play out. And 
the biggest thing that I try and focus on, especially for teams like Washington, who probably, you know, weren't having the highest prospects coming into this year, is when they win a game, they're going to focus on repeating what they did in that game. And I think that Logan Thomas is going to be a big focus of that moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a, it was an interesting game for Washington. And, you know, we, we've seen that, you know, Haskins is looking for options, man. He's looking for weapons. And like you said, he trusts, he trusts the tight end. It's clear with all the targets he got. Um, Josh, you are our tight end expert, our tight end whisperer here. What well, is your thoughts on Logan he's, Thomas? Man? He's not Greg Olson. Okay. <laughs> Let's not get too excited, but he was second in targets, third in air yards. I don't see anything about his performance that screams unrepeatable. So, yeah, yeah, Logan Thomas seems to be happening. Yeah, that sounds very sad. That didn't sound great, but, like, it, it's what it was, right? <laughs> I mean, like, nothing special, nothing amazing, but it is what it is. And Wait, it's, it's undeniable? <laughs> it's undeniable. It's amazing. All right, so Logan Thomas, man. Our, our, Josh has spoken at him. I don't think either one of us are the authority to, to outspeak Josh and tight ends. So um, we'll, we'll have to just let it be what it is. Um, speaking of Josh and tight ends, our man won not so obvious lock of the week with old man Greg Olson. This one burns. This one burns. <laughs> this one burns. I would just like to thank Deshaun Jackson and Hunter Rimfo. Yeah, for, seriously. For doing nothing. <laughs> just... I really, really appreciate it. Greg Olson. Adam, I mean, I swear there was things you said, like if Greg Olson wins something, something, something. I can't recall them right now. I think there was a Twitter Abby involved. There might have been a Twitter Abby involved. I'm not sure what it was. I uh, believe that was with Mr. Neal. Or maybe that was with me, if Hunter Renfro beats everybody. Is that what it was? Oh, so it's just a one-way street, huh? Yeah. No, I think... no, I believe that it was the opposite way. Was I it? believe it was with Greg Olson, and if he won, that Neil would have to uh, potentially change his AVI to something of Josh's choice. What? Oh, might have to have the listeners go back and uh, comment and, and let us know for sure, but I'm going to say that that's what happened. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. I, I'm going to definitely need someone to verify that besides one of you two, um, because that seems too enjoyable for both of you. So we'll have to have this verified um, by, some, by an outside source, by someone who has no no, no, nothing to gain in this except my pain. Um, so Josh won week one, maybe his only win of the year, but no. he, he did start the season right and he did it with Greg Olson, which is impressive. I don't know if any of us can top that. I don't know if we could top that, but because he is our winner from last week, we'll let him start for the not so obvious lock of the week. Who do you have for week two, Josh? Well, okay, I I had Russell Gage circled on my list, but okay. at this point, I'm thinking that's probably not allowed. I mean, anything is allowed. It's just how you know how egregious do you want to be, basically, to the listeners? Right. I feel like if I if I go with Russell Gage, then I probably am dealing with some pretty high expectations. Jeez, <laughs> uh, you know, I, what about Zach Moss? Can I get away with that? You can get away with Zach Moss. All right, I'll go Zach Moss for week two. Okay, so he's taking Zach Moss. Adam. Yeah. <laughs> just n- no explanation as to why. We're just going to, like, throw a name out there. and just. What, what, what is your ultimate reason for Zach Moss? 
he number 11 and running back expected points in week one. And I just don't really, I don't believe anything in Devin Singletary. And also Josh Allen was way up there. Like all of the Bills players just, uh, I don't know, apparently the numbers are telling me that this offense is going to be good. <laughs> and he plays, and the, he plays the Dolphins next week. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. Josh moving away from tight end. I don't know. <laughs> be regrettable. I kind of wanted to see if he could, you know, repeat back-to-backs on tight ends, but he wasn't down for that. That's okay. It's okay. Maybe a little Logan Thomas action. Maybe you should do it, Adam. I mean, Logan Thomas is going to be phenomenal, but he's not going to be my lock of the week, guys, because <laughs> that, that I'm saving for a love that I've had much longer than Logan Thomas, a man who might not be a man at all. He, he might he might be a star child. Uh, he, 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 might be, he might be an alien amongst us, but... Uh, <laughs> Sammy Watkins is no joke, guys, and he uh, he led the Kansas City Chiefs in targets uh, by a 50% margin, no less, guys, and uh, he repeated as the week one hero of fantasy football, uh, as he was in 2019, and I think this time it might actually be here to stay. I mean, I'm, I might be crazy. I might be. I understand that, but he looked healthy. He looked crisp. He looked like he was running routes very efficiently. And in a Patrick Mahomes offense, I always want pieces. And Sammy Watkins is the piece that no one wants to touch. And you know what, Sammy? I'll be your Huckleberry. I mean, there's so many wide receivers in Kansas City. Like Demarcus Robinson has his moments. Hardman has his moments. I'm not even talking about Tyreek Hill and all these other guys. Like that's bold. I, I respect it though, man. I mean, it's 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 a good it's a good offense to get a piece of. And and, and the not so obvious lock of the week. And we know it's been a long term love for you so this is not some you know bandwagon reaction from you um so i respect it josh your thoughts on him picking sammy Watkins? yeah it's the only thing that speaks against it is just that sammy watkins does this you know and that's not a real thing any (laughs) other player comes out and does this and we're we're all over him right like we're all on team logan thomas we're all on team russell gage but Sammy Watkins does, you know, more. And we're like, yeah, okay, but it's Sammy Watkins. Maybe maybe Sammy Watkins should get a little bit of credit for being, you know, a new player on a new team last year. So. Are you saying that not enough people believe in Sammy Watkins, Josh? Well, I don't really believe in Sammy Watkins, but I applaud those who do. Okay. <laughs> respect. Respect to him. For I doing respect that. your applause. <laughs> I'm actually going to go with a uh, long-term love of my own, um, except mine's a running back. Can either one of you guess who my long-term love is, who I have 100% confidence in? Yeah. Who is I it? I think I guess, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure you want us to steal your thunder all like right. that. Yeah, you've been stealing my thunder all episode. Let me let me, so let me go ahead and start talking about Derek McKinnon. Da- damn you. <laughs> damn you, Josh. <laughs> Derek McKinnon is back. He's back, boys. He scored a touchdown last week. He's going to eat up the Jets in week two. Listen, I don't know how anyone can't be excited about Jeremy Cannon at this point. Like, my guy's a baller. He's a baller. He's back. He's healthy. This offense and team believes in him. They need him. Jeremy Cannon is my not-so-obvious lock of the week, Adam. I dare you to say something negative. What am I going to say? I mean, it's the 49ers against the Jets. The 49ers are probably uh, pissed after facing the Cardinals, who really actually showed up on defense last week. 
And now they get to go against the worst team in the NFL. I mean, they're going to roll. So, yeah, similar to how getting a piece of the Kansas City offense is good any week, getting the piece of the Can- or getting a piece of the San Francisco offense going up against the Jets is a great move. And, I mean, from what we saw, they, they do want Jarek McKinnon to be utilized. I mean, to me, he's probably going to be a 10-touch guy, but 10 touches against the Jets is probably fantasy relevant. Hey, listen, I'm trying to take home a, a week two victory. I need an early victory like Josh. I can't go weeks in a drought and I'm gonna start getting crazy and desperate and I just can't let that happen. So I need I need an early I need an early win. I feel like McKinnon is my boy. I should have picked him week one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take him here. I feel good about it. Adam's going with his boy. Josh is going with Moss. He's throwing a new name into a new wrinkle into the uh to the not so obvious lock of the week for himself. So we'll see how that plays out. Book him, mark him down, and, and we'll and we'll see if there was a bet last week. I'm, I'm sad that it's slipping my mind because if it's about me, that's disappointing. Um, you know, I would never misremember a bet for my own benefit. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. Um, I did want to try something a little, a little new here on the show. And neither one of you were prepared for it, really. Um, but it's just I just wanted to hit like four or five players really quick. I don't want to get extensive on it. Nothing long. Just a nice little game of can he do that again? Okay. So I'm going to throw names at you. That gonna... is so wild. I literally almost suggested a segment just like this to you. We're wow. Here. We're on the same wave. Great minds. Great minds. We're, we haven't been doing this for years for nothing, Adam. It's, it's just it's, it's destiny. So can he do that again? Jamison Crowder, top 10 scoring wide receiver in PPR. Can he do that again, Josh? Ooh, top 10. Top 10 is hot, but he was top five in expected points. And, you know... Yeah, sure. Sure, he can do it again. Let's let's see it. Adam, can he do it again? No, he cannot. He took one to the house. That's not going to happen every week. He is a low A-dot wide receiver, and even though he has a large amount of targets, it will not be enough to supplement him scoring that high weekly. Disgusting. I'm with you, Josh. I think he can. Next one, Aaron Rodgers, top two scoring quarterback. Can he do that again, Adam? Uh, again, this season, yes, at some point he probably will finish top two. Anytime that they let the reins off Rodgers, he's going to dominate. And I think especially uh, he is a quarterback that benefits dramatically from not having a crowd. Uh, his ability to communicate on the offense is far and away top in the NFL, in my opinion. And I think that with the particular situation that we find ourselves in in this year he's going to be able to exploit defenses more than a lot of other quarterbacks are able to take advantage of it uh, i think that he definitely has a high weekly ceiling uh, and top two is definitely going to be a range of outcomes weekly in good matchups moving forward i like it josh my memory is bad but it's not bad enough to remember that you crapped <laughs> all over this man and his wide oh, receiver. Yeah, and Devonta Adams. Yeah, just, exactly. Went super hey, hey, on the league. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All of that. The <laughs> Aaron Rodgers fans are the worst. The worst. <laughs> they they are on the right side of being acceptable, but I bet Aaron Rodgers fans probably like Mason Rudolph. Yes, that's, that's that's a low blow, Josh. <laughs> that's unnecessary. And disturbing. I mean, like, I'll still associate with with uh, an Aaron Rodgers fan, unlike a Mason Rudolph fan, but I get your good. point. I get your point. He's not going to score top two again. All right, all right. Next one, 
uh, Hines, can he be a top 10 scoring running back in PPR again? He actually finished top five in week one. Adam. Yes. Uh, I mean, ultimately what it comes down to for him is just having the touchdowns to make it happen. Uh, he's going to see the targets. I mean, that offense is going to target their running backs probably more than any other offense in the league outside of maybe the Saints. And I think that with his position now, with Mac gone, he's probably going to see an increased workload even from what he saw in week one, which was more than anyone expected. So, yeah, I definitely think that's going to be in his range of outcomes moving forward. Fair. Josh, do you agree? Can you yes, I do. I agree. And I hate this narrative that Phillip Rivers just like goes around and makes running backs be pass catchers. But we, we the clues were there with Naheem Hines. He had already shown some talent. So, yes, yes, he can do it again. All right. And the last one for can he do it again? The, this is the premier first introduction to this to this segment. The last name we're going to say on the first ever segment of can he do it again? is Adrian Peterson will lead the Detroit Lions in carries. Can he do it again, Adam? Well, leading them in carries isn't his choice. Yeah, they're going to give it to him. I mean, what did he do in week one? He got over 100 yards. Like, (laughs) the guy is a Hall of Famer. I mean, we can hate on it all we want. They're just – they – they saw an opportunity to get a Hall of Famer. They put him on their roster, and he's going to get 250 carries this year, guys. It's happening. Uh, DeAndre Swift is going to be less than relevant, except in PPR as a flex, and on Johnson might as well not even be in the NFL. I mean, it's going to be the Adrian Peterson show for the foreseeable future. Josh, I assume you feel the same way, so maybe the better question was here. Matt Patricia, can he coach the Lions again another season again? Um, what is happening right now, man? This is crazy, right? Matt Patricia just needs to get Adrian Peterson a really nice Christmas present because <laughs> he he's going to carry Matt Patricia to another year of coaching. This team just keeps drafting running backs early and just not using them or not doing well with them. It's <laughs> or... a great strategy. It's fantastic. It's crazy. It's craziness. It's absolutely <laughs> madness. Um, yeah, DeAndre Swift had three carries. Kerryon Johnson had seven. Matthew Stafford had five. So this is a very strange, strange team. Um, hey, kudos to Adrian Peterson. Hey, hey, who who was ta- who who was touting Adrian Peterson here? I got laughed out off the off the pod for it. You were touting him on another team, and then if I remember correctly, you literally said that if Adrian Peterson led the Lions in rush attempts, that you were going to quit fantasy football. Hey, so, hey, hey, I hey. mean, I'm not asking you to leave the podcast, but like so far you've lost a bet with Josh and you've got to change your avatar on Twitter. And, uh, you know, not, now we got you quitting fantasy football altogether. So maybe you should uh, stop speaking in hyperbole. Maybe you should stop having such good memory. <laughs> All right. How about that? All right, let's jump over to listener questions. We got a couple that I really liked. I wanted to make sure we got to them, and then we'll close this bad boy out with foul or no foul and show and tell and all that good stuff if you have it. Listener questions at Austin underscore G underscore H. After the first week, what has impressed, what team has impressed the most and which has disappointed the most? Josh, what 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 are you feeling here, man? The Bills. The Bills have surprised me the most. I mean, Josh Allen, number one in quarterback expected points. John Brown was number seven. Stefan Diggs was 16. And then they had both Devin Singletary and Zach Moss were inside the top 24 at running back. Like, I, I guess the Bills' offense is really good. 
They I'm played with you the Jets. What'd you say? I, I said they played the Jets. Like, um, what are we doing? Sorry. I, go, okay. go ahead, Josh. Go hey, ahead. No, I mean, that's that's legit. They played the Jets, but can grief. Man. Adam just decides to give you a, a hard time right now. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. He got a little arrogant because he called me out on all my bets and quitting football. And now he's like, now he's going to go after everybody. Anyone, anyone in particular disappoint you, Josh, before we let Adam do this so we can take a shot at his takes? Well, anyone, did anyone disappoint me week one? Team-wise. Any, any teams you were really disappointed in? Well, the, what the Buccaneers did to Leonard Fournette was, was not very nice. <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to say the Buccaneers just from a Tom Brady standpoint and the wide receivers. I was also I was, going to say the Buccaneers. I feel like that's got to be the one, right? Yeah, super underwhelming, man. Almost concerning, to be honest, but... Any anyone else big surprise here for us guys offensively on a positive standpoint? Obviously, the Packers should have been yours, Josh, since Aaron Rodgers is so bad. Oh my god! Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll give a shout out to the Jaguars. I mean, for them to come out and beat the Colts, that was something I didn't see coming. Gardner Minshew goes nineteen of twenty. I mean, they ran the ball really well. Uh, it seems like James Robinson is going to be a running back that actually gets a workload and. Yet, if you go on Fantasy Pros right now, people got them ranked outside the top 35 running backs. It's like, what What are people doing? Like, the guy saw 18 carries. They're going to be utilizing him. I mean, to me, it just seems pretty evident. Um, so they were, they were one of those teams that I was pretty surprised by. I mean, Washington, obviously, overcoming the Eagles was relatively surprising. But the Eagles are so banged up everywhere that I don't really know how much you can take away from that. Um, and those are probably the biggest ones in my opinion. I'll tell you what I wasn't surprised by. Josh Jacobs outplaying Christian McCaffrey. I mean, come on. That was a gimme, right? Oh, oh. Come on. Plant the flag, Neil. Come Plant on. The... Dude. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey saw hardly any targets in that game. That was that was surprising. He's so bad that on the final play of the game, they handed the ball to the fullback. That's how bad Christian McCaffrey is. Can you imagine being that bad at coaching? Like, <laughs> that bad. I mean, really. Like, how can you galaxy brain a play that hard? It's just, he's the best running back in the NFL, and you don't give him the ball. Like, it's, whew. I mean, so, that, that's so. reminiscent of Marshawn Lynch. Like, you know, you got to feed these guys, man. Yeah. Very, very crafty, that college Old former college coaches, you guys were so crafty there, man. You sure fooled the Raiders on that one. Yeah, the Panthers were a team that I just want to go down on as being off all year. And, uh, yeah, I don't care that they put up 30 points. This team's going to be garbage. I feel like you were already down on them before this game, too, weren't you? I was down on them all off. Yeah, our guy over here, who's not saying a word about DJ Moore, was super high on this team. He still led the team in targets. DJ Moore is going to bounce back. All right. Don't You're you probably worry. right. You are probably right in that degree. That being said, uh, the Panthers and the Chargers were atrocious. <laughs> All right. Next question at Justin FF underscore. Is there finally actually going to be a coveted Corey Davis breakout season? Josh. <laughs> I would love to see it. I would love to see it, man. Don't you just feel bad for Corey Davis at this point? Like this dude was hyped beyond hype. And now he is absolutely second fiddle. But he played a good week one. You know, like 17.1 points. That's that's respectable, man. And he was efficient with his volume. 
I forgot who mentioned it, but someone said, is he going to pull a Devonte Parker on us? I, I hope he does. Like I, I wish Corey Davis, nothing but the best. I, I'm doubtful, but let's go Corey. Hey guys. Uh, just a question. Is it a, is it Willie Sneed breakout season? Is it Keelan Cole breakout season? Cause those guys scored the same amount of points. Like, what are we doing? That's not nice. We're, I don't understand We're, this. We are cheerleading for Corey Davis. Yeah, for no reason. It, the concern all offseason with A.J. Brown was targets. Now we're going to say that the number two option on that team is going to be fantasy relevant? No, it was a fluke. It's great. It happened. But it's Sammy Watkins last year. I mean, I do not see any chance of Corey Davis being relevant. Adam, is it a fluke, or should we be concerned about A.J. Brown and this team riding the hot hand every other game? No, I I think it's a fluke. I mean, should we be concerned with A.J. Brown? Probably for the same reasons you should have been concerned with A.J. Brown coming into the year, which is just overall passing volume for this team. That being said, I mean, it's one game. It's going to shift back in A.J. Brown's direction. And ultimately, we'll see games like this from A.J. Brown probably more than we're going to see him from Corey Davis. And I think for Corey Davis, this is a big flash in the pan. In weekly leagues, if you start him, you're going to be disappointed the vast majority of the time that you start him. If you had him in best ball, this is great. And maybe you're going to get another week or two like this throughout the season. But I think that's, you know, the ceiling for him. All right. It's fair to say you are not a fan. Okay. I just I just don't get it. The, it's just confirmation bias. It's people who already were in on Corey Davis going, he finally did it. He did it. It's going to go off now. When literally Willie Sneed and Keelan Cole had basically the same amount of points. Like, those aren't guys that everybody's sitting there going, oh, my God, they're going to go off now. They're going to go off. It's the same thing with Anthony Miller. I like Anthony Miller. He's great talent. But just because he goes off in one week doesn't mean he's all of a sudden going to be super fantasy relevant. I mean, if they trade Allen Robinson, I, you know, take back every word of that. But until they do, I don't really know how often Anthony Miller is going to be that fantasy relevant for the same reasons. It's teams that aren't going to be passing the ball a ton, and their number two options ultimately – in situations that, yeah, I mean, Corey Davis has been in the league a lot longer. Anthony Miller probably has a lot more opportunity to exceed expectation. Man, I don't know, man. You know I always pull for the underdog. So I hope Corey Davis is a thing. But it would be nicer if he was on another team and we could see, like, you know, a team that had more of an offense and more passing offense and we could see really what, you know, what he's capable of. Um, but, yeah, I get the question. I understand it. I'm not as mad as as, as Adam is here. Um the last one at Austin, I, I gave him a bonus one here. Um, he asks, "What's the appropriate amount of time that he should spend crying in a corner now that Blake Jarwin is out for the season?" I think this is a good <laughs> mental health question for us fantasy players out here, man. What do we do? How do we respond to our uh, a player that we love, a big part of our draft, a big part of our team? How do we respond to these season long injuries? Josh, I'm gonna let you take this first, man. You you cry for as long as you need to cry over Blake. <laughs> you you just do whatever you gotta do, man. Real men cry. It's okay, Austin. That's right. That's right. You can. You just go ahead and let it all out. I, I think Neil put this in here because this is a Neil Marlon Mack question. <laughs> this oh, is an oh, oh. Austin and Blake Jarwin. <laughs> I was looking for comfort. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, you guys take as much time as you need. I, I understand. It, it can hurt when you, you know, are really high on a guy, especially when you own him across a lot of leagues, and then you lose him and, you know, you, you feel for that player, too, because they're obviously super invested in their career. And, you know, for 
a guy like Marlon Mack, for instance, it's a pivotal year for him in the last year of his contract. For Blake Jarwin, it seemed like it could potentially be a breakout year for him. I will say the fallout from that definitely makes CeeDee Lamb somebody that, you know, goes from a fringe guy to probably an every week starter. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going to pull one out for Blake Jarwin. Yeah. If you guys are hurting, just hit me up. My DMs are always open. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like. Foul or no foul. I have three for you gentlemen. Our first foul or no foul. Odell Beckham will finish the season as a Cleveland Brown. Foul or no foul? No, no foul. I mean, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. Ultimately, man, I, I'm not going to play I told you so this early. But, <laughs> you know, I told you so. Like, it, this is what it's going to be. I mean, Landry is basically hobbling around and seeing more targets. Like, I just... I just don't think – I mean, obviously, week one, that's going to be a really tough representation. They played awful. They played against the Ravens, who just dominated them. Who knows what week two will look like against the Bengals on Thursday night, especially when you've got Jarvis Landry hobbled. It's a short week. This should be when OBJ finally is able to do something. But guess what, guys? It's not going to happen. So roll them out there. Put them in your lineups again because if you drafted them, this is why you drafted them. So play them. Let me but, ask you uh, this, Adam. Don't be surprised when you're disappointed. Let me ask you this. Since you're so down on OBJ, is it purely a Cleveland Browns thing, or are you not a believer in OBJ's ability no matter what team he's on? It is both. It okay. is oh, – so the biggest factor for me for him not living up to his ADP was target share. I never thought he was going to get the targets that he needed, which is essentially about 160, which is what he saw when he was a giant, because he doesn't have a high catch rate. This is a guy who isn't someone who's a volume receiver, so he needs a ton of targets to be able to live up to this high ADP. I didn't think he was going to get that with Jarvis Landry there. And now you see Baker Mayfield just, I mean, honestly, man, he turned back into a pumpkin. Like, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of narrative out there about this guy's too many, too focused on the media and being in commercials and all this other shit. I don't know. All I know is when you watch him on the field, he looks completely overwhelmed. Um, again, it was against the Ravens. He's playing the Bengals this week. This should be a get-right game for them. If it's not, which I'm kind of feeling like it's not going to be, I think that it should be panic mode. But this is why you didn't really target a lot of, you know, Cleveland players. I was down on Nick Chubb. You know, I was down on OBJ. I obviously like Jarvis Landry for his potential and targets, and I like Keenan. Uh, I like Hunt for the same reasons. Like. We're just kind of in this situation where, as a team, I don't think they're going to be good, and I think OBJ is ultimately going to really suffer because of that. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder, you know, we keep waiting on this team, this offense, this quarterback, and we keep making excuses, and I, I'm i not going to be the one to call it this, but what if Mayfield is just really not that good? I mean, yeah, it definitely is looking like it more and more. Yeah, we can keep calling him distracted, and we can, we can call him whatever we want, but, like, at this point, it just seems like, I mean, how long are we supposed to wait on, on Mayfield to, you know, be the guy we expect him to be or want him to be or, or whatever the case is. I think he said that he wasn't going to force the ball to Beckham, if I recall, from after the game, um, you know, but I, I don't know. He says he has to come naturally. So we'll see. But Josh, um, do you feel like maybe Mayfield is just not as good as people thought? Or do you think this is something that can still be corrected? I, I think if we are going to say, no, the Bills are not good because they played the Jets, then we also get to say that the Browns are good and they just played the Ravens. Okay. And I, I don't think that you really see players 
whose volume, like Odell's volume, is so separated from how good they are. I think he just had a really tough matchup. And he is still pulling some serious volume. I will be sending trade offers for Odell Beckham, and I, I hope I get some of him. Now, I hope he also stays a Brown because, like, enough team changing is enough team changing. So I want him to be a Brown. I want them to get right. Yeah, the Ravens is a, is a real issue for teams. So we'll, we'll see if that's what it was. Obviously, like we keep talking about, this is one week, folks. Um, the next one here, we should be concerned about Tom Brady potentially not being able to feed the wide receivers in Tampa like Jameis Winston could. Foul or no foul? Josh. No foul. We should we should be concerned about it. We should be concerned about it because I just still don't think that Jameis Winston was was really the problem. And I think it's also fair to expect a new a team with a new quarterback to take a little bit of time to get things together. Right. Like they might need a little bit of time to develop some chemistry. So I think it's fair to be concerned. I, I, I have so many feelings about this. I feel like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are good enough to to boost Tom Brady. Like I'm I'm looking at maybe week four these guys are up and running and looking maybe not exactly like they looked last year, but something something that we would say resembles 2019 Buccaneers. Yeah, there, there, there's so much here. Like obviously, we a lot of us love Jameis Winston, especially from a fantasy perspective. And I know we talked about it when they signed Tom Brady that I think Adam may have mentioned it, like, that people didn't believe that he could or would be that kind of quarterback. So there was already a concern there. Obviously, again, week one, and they did play the Saints. Since we are talking defenses, they are a good defense. They're not bad. They're not horrible. Um, so that you know was a you know not the greatest matchup we've seen it getting really physical out there from like you know Mike Evans with Lattimore and stuff. So um, you know there's there's lots of different moving parts here. It was interesting to see Bruce Arians call Tom Brady out. Um, it was kind of kind of weird. You know we haven't seen that ever happen to Tom Brady really from from what I can recall at least. And um, so we'll see. But um, Adam, I am right that you did kind of feel like there was already some skepticism here with how you know, Winston played and Brady plays, right? Yeah. I mean, I was down on Mike Evans coming into the year just because I didn't think there was a possibility that both him and Godwin would end up being top 12 this year. And I think that those concerns are real. Um, I think that those concerns, though, aren't really what week one was. I think week one was very interesting in the sense that if you look back across the Patriots over, like, the last decade, they've always started really slow. Right. Um They've always struggled in opening weeks and everybody kind of put that on the team or put that on Belichick. But I wonder if that's also Brady. Maybe Brady just starts slow. Maybe it's going to take him a bit, especially working with a brand new offense, new weapons. I think that it's not, you know, panic mode just yet, but I think that the concerns around him being able to push the ball downfield, I mean, he looked like he'd be able to He threw some really crisp passes downfield. So I don't think that those concerns are really warranted at this point. Ultimately, I think that he's going to take a couple weeks to really get right. But the concerns are going to be from a volume perspective. They're not going to be throwing the ball like they were with Jameis. And it's just not going to support Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to the levels that they had in the past. It's not to say they won't be fantasy relevant or not have good weeks. And I mean, I think all those things are true. But I think where they were being drafted was probably pretty inflated. And I think that more realistically, these are guys that could finish both as wide receiver twos. They might have one guy finish as a wide receiver one. You know, they might have one guy finish outside the top 24. I, I 
wouldn't be surprised if those things occur. And let's not forget five receptions, 70 plus yards, Scotty Miller. Yeah, I mean, that's that slot role, which, you know, I really thought Godwin was going to have the so majority of. Yeah. But, uh, you know, whoever kind of fills that role, I'm sure that they're probably all going to kind of switch in there from time to time, but they're all going to get, you know, those short move the chain targets that Tom Brady loves to get. So I don't know that I don't really necessarily think that's cause for concern. Again, it's one week, but you hope that those targets shift back to Chris Godwin and that Godwin's playing more in the slot and getting that kind of. I'll wait you there. All right. Uh, and the last one I have here for you, uh, especially for Adam, because we kind of talked about this a little bit already in the in the group chat, but a uh, Donald Trump Joe Biden debate could realistically happen on Joe Rogan's podcast. For all I know about Adam, I want to say foul. I want it to happen. I think it'd be neat. I think that that's actually something that not. I mean, even if it's not Rogan, just literally letting these guys talk for an extended period of time while being, you know, moderated to a real degree. Uh, I don't think it's something we're ever going to see, but I think that that would really, you know, pull the curtain behind the veil, you know, get us all to really see what these people who were electing to run our country actually are able to tell us about the policies that they want to enact. Um, I think Rogan would do a really good job, honestly. I, I think that he is a good mediator. I think he asks good questions. But I think it'll never happen because, you know, at the end of the day, he'd be fed talking points and I don't think he'd ever take them. And I don't think it's really advantageous for really either candidate. Um, But that being said, I just as much as we all would, you know, potentially love it or love to hear that sort of open forum conversation, I just. I'll, I'll be flabbergasted if it occurs. I don't know that new hundred plus million dollar deal Spotify game. Spotify may be like, hey man, you need to make this happen. <laughs> but uh, Josh, who would fall asleep first, Trump or Biden in a four hour debate? <laughs> I think I would. Like, <laughs> I don't think either one of those guys have ideas that matter. I don't think either one of them are going to lead with their ideas. Like I think that the advantage of Biden is that if you can't work with Joe Biden, you're the problem. Right. And and I don't think people will be allowed to sit on the sideline and be just completely divided and obstructionist with Joe Biden in in the office where you can get away with not working with Trump. You you know, and they're like with Bernie were to have, one, you can get away with not working with Bernie because you can just call him whatever you want to call him. He's a crazy communist. <laughs> right. You know, but Joe Biden, like you can't work with Joe Biden. That's what history says, right? His reputation speaks that way, which this kind of leads me into our show and tell, uh, which I'll, I'll, I'll start because um, for so show and tell, I hope, I don't know if you guys have something, but of course it's where we share a product, an idea, podcast, music, books, whatever. Um, I want to share a podcast which this conversation has kind of led me into because I started listening to a political podcast in a sense, more like a history of political history, political podcast, presidential podcast, something like that. It's called American election elections, uh, wicked game. And I've never listened to it before. I just described to it kind of randomly. I was just looking up. I, I was actually looking up like <laughs> political podcasts to try to see what, what was out there. I was kind of curious. Um, and there's this podcast. I kind of like every episode is a presidential like run kind of 
So like the first one's, you know, George Washington, then it's Washington versus who he goes against. And it just kind of goes all the way. Um, they haven't gotten to current day. So like the last one they have on there is Bush uh, in 88. So they're not finished yet. I guess they're not all caught up, but it's a really cool podcast, man. If, if you're into history or if you're into politics or if you're into the history of the country or anything like that, um, it's just kind of fascinating and kind of cool to revisit all these things and kind of be taught new things and hear new things and kind of see what our country has gone through that there's always been some kind of, you know, drama or issue at hand or, you know, being on the brink of what, you know, some people feel like we're on the brink of something here, um, a destruction or whatever. Um, so this podcast is a pretty cool podcast. I think it's done pretty well. Um, you guys know, I like those, you know, series like, uh, you know, those like original kind of podcasts, not necessarily just a conversation podcast, but, uh, it's done by Airship and Wondery. Uh, it's a little combo there with them guys. But yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's called American Elections Wicked Games. Um, and that's my uh, that's my that's my show and tell today. I don't know what you got. Have either one of you ever heard of that podcast? No, I've not. Yeah. That does sound interesting. Yeah, it's pretty decent. It's pretty cool. If you're into that stuff, of course. Um, Josh, do you have anything today, man? Yeah, over the weekend, I went to a place that is only 78 miles from where I live, and I was not really aware of it, and like, it, it was super nice. It's called Chickasaw National Recreation Area, and like I know this is not accessible to everyone, but I, I, so I think the, the show and tell is just the idea of like get out and try something new that you haven't done. You know, Give something the chance that you have overlooked. Uh, I, that's what I did this weekend. They had, so this park has like a river that runs through it and the whole river is sort of segmented and tiered into all these little dams that create all these little pools to swim in. And the water was breathtakingly cold, but it was still so much fun. I'm looking it up right now. I Googled it. It says it's an Oklahoma oasis. Springs, Dude, it was so nice. Springs, streams, lakes, whatever its form, water is the attraction at Chickasaw National Recreation Area. Yes. And it like it is so the water is so cold. It when I jumped in, it I felt like my heart stopped, but it was it was just a lot of fun. Really pretty, really nice. I'm glad I went. Yeah, it's definitely cool to get out there and you know, in your in your local city or state or somewhere nearby to, you know, to see those kind of national parks and those kind of outside outdoorsy type of things. There's a lot of cool stuff out there for sure. And I think a lot of us definitely get caught up in like technology and our busy lives and work and all this crazy stuff. And we kind of forget how, you know, how much beauty is out there for us to take part in. So that is a good recommendation here, Josh. That is a good show and tell, man. Like you said, it doesn't have to be the one you went to. There's plenty in every single state. Everyone has these kind of things. So um, definitely a good one. Um, Adam, do you have anything? Yeah, I do. Uh, this one's kind of unique. I don't know if I've ever talked about it before, but I'm really a huge fan of uh, like tabletop games, board games, and card games. And uh, this past weekend, I, I went up and was visiting some friends, and uh, we had a couple people over, and we were playing a couple different games, all from the same uh, card game studio. Uh, they're called Renegade Game Studios, and they were all really fantastic. It's been a long time since I've played like a lot of games that I enjoy. Uh, I feel like with things like that, as I've gotten older, I get a little bit more snobby in regards to like what I like. Um, <laughs> and all of the games that I played, I really, really enjoyed. So I wanted to shout out the company. Um, just they have a ton of games on their website. And obviously, 
I can't speak for all of them, but I will shout out the games that I played. Uh, there was a two-player game uh, that's called Stellar uh, that is it's a card-building game, um, but it's it's pretty simple, uh, honestly, as far as like um, learning curve goes. I think that most people, if they see it played once, completely get it. Um, so that game was really cool. Uh, and it, as a two-player game, that's something you don't often find in board and card games, in my opinion, is really quality two-player games that have like a lot of replay value. Yeah. And that one really seemed to. Um, and then the other two that I played were a game called Gloomy Graves uh, and uh, another game called Arboretum, which were both a ton of fun and seemed to have like a bunch of replay value, which... In my opinion, it's pretty rare with board and card games. Like, I found a lot that I enjoy over time, but for them to have replay value over time is always the thing that's tough. And obviously, with these being new games, you never really know if they're going to have that replay value, but all three of these kind of seem to have that appeal. Um, they're all games that were really simple to learn, but then seem to have a lot of strategy that you could build on in-game. Uh, that made them really interesting and made you want to play them more than once. So, uh, yeah, shout out for those three games and just for the company as a whole for making really interesting games. Yeah, that's another thing. Kind of like the outsides of the judgment. Sometimes we forget about these these board games. So when you go to, like, stores like Target, Walmart, whatever, you see the section, you're like, man, there's so much games over here. Like, who's playing these? Not me, obviously. So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to get into out there, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure more people got into that during this whole pandemic, which was that gathering of yours legal, uh, Adam? You under the, the uh, record? <laughs> you know, I don't know if that was Please legal. I mean, I'm just checking because I don't want to get you exposed here on the podcast. But uh, you know, some some places those things are illegal, my friend. Tell the Gestapo. <laughs> some things those things are illegal, my man. All right, all right, all right. We did a lot of covering for week one, recapping and and week two projecting and how we feel this is going to happen. But this was fun, man. I'm happy football's back. I know you guys are both happy football's back. I know everyone listening is happy that football's back. This is exciting. Everything isn't always going to be how you think it is or how you want it to be. But, hey, I'm here for all of the the, the craziness and madness that has hit us in week one. And I'm excited about I'm excited about week two. By the way, Adam, did you put, do a lot of DFS or anything week one? I didn't play any DFS week one. Oh, no, okay. I was just focusing on, you know, my, my normal lineups. But uh, probably going to get in there for week two. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that next week and see how you did if you end up doing it. Other than that, you can find Josh on Twitter at JC Crocker. Adam, you can find at the other FF guy. You can find me at Clock Dodgers. We love you guys following us on Twitter, interacting with us. Again, we, we, we're we open to taking questions there, topics there, guest suggestions. We, got, we need to get a guest on here. Do you think we should get a guest for next week? You wrangle somebody. Hmm. I'm trying to think about that. Well, we'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of there's a lot of choices out there that we could bring on. Um, all right, that's it for the show, though, guys. If you haven't already, please slap the subscribe button. Drop us a five star review. The reviews are beautiful. We appreciate them. Your subscriptions are beautiful. We love every one of you. This continues to grow. This family continues to get bigger, and we love every second of it. Thank you again, as always, for all your support. Other than that, you know the deal. Be kind. Be great. Keep dodging.